to Reworking Talent, the podcast that tackles the top challenges in today's small business-focused talent market. I'm your host, Brent Scott, founder and CEO of Found Consulting. We're a growth-centered people operations and recruiting consultancy. And joining me today is Lindsay Warren, manager of talent operations and resident French bulldog wrangler. (laughs) We're here to give actionable advice to business leaders and aspiring business leaders, both on a personal and organizational scale. And I am always excited to chat with our guests, but I will say it is not every day that you get to interview someone whose literal job it was to fix national economies. Uh, today, to talk about leading highly effective teams, we have Brian Aiken. And welcome, Brian. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Oh, thank um, you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, just to intro Brian a, a little bit here, because uh, the, the list of accolades is, is quite long, but uh, Brian spent two and a half decades at the International Monetary Fund as a lead economist and country director spanning a vast portion of the globe. Um, in his time at the organization, he specialized in economic assessment and crisis management. He led economic missions in a number of countries, including Sri Lanka, Sierra Leone, and Nepal, but uh, his work spanned many others. Um, His passion for spearheading the collaboration between the talented IMF teams he led and the dedicated government officials seeking to fix their nation's economic woes uh, makes him a perfect candidate to talk about building high-performing teams. and if, if that whole fixing uh, nations, economies wasn't enough, he also has his PhD from MIT. So just had to throw that in there. Ooh. Pretty impressive stuff. So little so, mic drop. <laughs> so Brian, uh, help dumb this down a little bit for me. Um, so you basically went in with your special forces team and fixed broken economies and broken financial situations for countries? Well, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's a, a, a pat on the back. I mean, the reality is, is we <laughs> help, like we facilitate. If you think of, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever watched like that Gordon Ramsay show where he, where he goes into restaurants that are not doing so well <laughs> and, and, and tells them, you know, what, what, what he thinks they, they could, could do. Um, there's, it's similar to, to that in that, um, we, we, if a country's in trouble and they're coming to us, then our job is to try to find help work with them to find solutions that, that, that fit the reality of of the situation. And it's very collaborative and it, and it, and it really depends on the talent and dedication of the people that you're interacting with, but it is somewhat similar to that. And, and, you know, you find that, that the, the people you're working with know the situation intimately and they're smart and, but they have constraints and, Mm -hmm. So we come in as a as an outside, you know, we don't have a dog in the fight, a political dog. And so we give the best advice we can. And that sometimes sways the argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you are so uniquely qualified to be speaking on the subject of 
of leading highly effective teams um, because the the stakes were high. The work was incredibly complex, I imagine, and and the hurdles to not only getting your team to work together, but also a whole another government uh, to, to work together with you and getting those two to collaborate. Uh, I have to imagine that was a struggle at times. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You have to get, I mean, the, in the Gordon Ramsay thing, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay comes with a load of credibility, right? We, we have to build that credibility. I mean, partly we have it from an institution point of view, but but we're just, you know, we're a small group of outsiders and we need to build. Tr- so first of all, we have to be cohesive ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is um, which is a, a challenge. And then we have to convince the people that we're working with that they can trust us and that they and that they should, you know, that that we have something to offer that they, that they'll actually listen to. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it is a process It involves, you know, diplomacy, it involves team management, it involves time management, uh, building trust. I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's what was made it so interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into a country, and, um, you know, there's five of us, right? And we don't know the situation nearly as intimately as, as the people that we're working with um on the other side of the table and uh we're young right i mm-hmm. relatively speaking i mean i as mission chief which is which is kind of the designated title i was the older guy in the room but you know you've got you've got a lot of young sharp people who who don't necessarily you know bring a lot of credibility with them you have to build it and then uh you have to convince them that you're that your intentions are are to solve the problems and not some and and you can't preach to them you have to respect them you have to be humble but mm-hmm. you know self assured speaking of that can you talk to your biggest challenge that you faced in getting a team to buy in to everything oh uh, yeah i mean the the main for for me and this this worked this worked for me and it's, it doesn't necessarily work for for everybody, but or it's not their style. But my 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 feeling is that the first thing is that you you really, as a team leader, you have to you have to be confident. All of all leadership problems, you know, stem from lack of confidence. Because mm-hmm. um, you'll work your team excessively hard; they won't trust you. You know the the government officials will see that you're you you're you try to overcompensate for for lack you just have to be quietly confident in what in what you're doing and your purpose and and my my approach was always to to realize that 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 authority is earned and and not granted and that means with your team so the people who work for you you have to earn you have to earn their respect. You know, your authority comes from earning their respect. They're smart people. Mm-hmm. And so you have to trust them and um, you need to inspire them that with a, with a common, common vision. Um, 
So they need to be, they need to understand why you're doing what you're doing and, and to believe in it. And, to, and then it, when they do, it all falls into place. You know, mm-hmm. they, they help each other out. Um, they, they work extra hard. You don't have to force them to work hard. They'll, they're, they're professionals. They'll do it. Um, and I think the main, the main thing I would say is, so there's sort of a certain humility of earning your team's respect, but the, but the main thing is you have to listen, you have to be, you have to cultivate a culture of feedback, openness to feedback. Mm-hmm. And because your team, they're working on the ground in their areas, they're going to see dysfunction and they don't necessarily want to bring that to your attention, right? They don't want to criticize you. So you have to make it a, a virtue to do that. You have to basically <laughs> say, if something's not working, I want to hear about it. Like mm-hmm. if something I'm doing is not working, I want to hear about it. You don't have to listen to them, but you have to, you have to, I mean, they might, they might have wrong ideas or right ideas, but you have to like be, be you have to really cultivate that. It's mm-hmm. um, cause otherwise they'll, they'll just, you know, get frustrated and, and feel like they can't, you know, they're not being heard. Um uh, that they're not being empowered or empowered. Um, that's with the team, you know, with building a team. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so then what in, in your opinion makes the most effective kind of team for this consultative type of work? And I understand that that question is, can can be very broad, um, or is very broad. Um, but just generally kind of what are the characteristics of, of, uh, a team doing this consultative type of work? Um, what are the characteristics of that team that are going to make them successful when consulting with a client, with a government, with a country? I, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it is, it is, I, Again, this is what worked for me. I mean, I don't, I don't have any like the the most important thing is that is that they trust your intentions and you trust theirs. I'm talking about like your client, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're going into problem solve, and they have to know that their problems are your number one concern. That you don't have an alternative agenda or anything else, um, and you, you're you know, we're, we're respectful of the, uh, of, and, and humble because these guys are, you know, when you're working with government officials, they're under the gun. I mean, they're running, they're trying to run their country and they're under a lot of pressure and you have to respect that and be generous when you can be generous for, for be open-minded to what it is that, that, that they need. And once they, they sort of trust your intentions then you get the cooperation, um, and that's very satisfying because then you then you then you can sit sit there and roll up your sleeves and work on problems, and then they can come to you and say, you know, Brian, I you know here's 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 a political constraint we're facing, um, and they know that I'm going to respond in a in a pr- problem solving way, like okay. How do we deal with that? And then, and then when I have to stand firm on an issue, they know that it's, 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 uh, you know, it bears some credibility. 
-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of situations where, where what we as a team had to do is basically convince them that, uh, look, if you can convince us of an argument, we will go back home and fight for you. You know, we will be your advocates. Uh, and if, and if I'm not convinced, I will tell you, you know, and you sort of, you, you, so you have that, your intentions are everybody, once everybody realizes that the, the intentions are good, then you don't have the suspicion you don't have, mm -hmm. and you get, you get cooperation. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, and, and it works for the, the people that work for me, you know, because they, that's what they get satisfaction doing, you know, when each one of them has their own like counterparts that they're working with closely. And, and when, when you get all those cooperative wheels rolling, I mean, that's when, that's when you can actually like accomplish something. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Oh, 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 I, I was just going to say that's, that's, that's really, uh, that's really great. And you're so right. I mean, in our work, uh, when we work with clients, uh, making sure that they know that we don't have any ulterior motive that mm -hmm. we're working in their best interests is, yeah, is, is incredibly important for any consultant. Um, yeah, well, and, and I wanted to go, I wanted to go a little bit deeper with you on leading with humility and showing good intentions and creating an atmosphere with that 360 feedback that you've been talking about. So can you speak a little bit to going about checking in on that and checking in with your team and, and enabling a safe space for people to give you that kind of feedback? Yeah. The 360 feedback. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, well, well, one of the things that I always did, and this this is you know perhaps unique to my situation, but but one one person on the team is 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 going to be my deputy, and what you want to do, I mean, what you want to do is is empower all of these people to do their job, and and to do it how they feel, you know, like give them the autonomy to 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 do it, and then they will rise to the to the occasion, but. But I always, I always like had a, a deputy and that person, I basically, it doesn't matter if they were young and inexperienced. I basically made them understand, like we talked about everything that we were going to do because the idea being that if I were to, you know, drop dead uh, one day, that that person should be able to step in and take over. And then what that creates is it created for me was, a situation where, you know, if you're constantly bouncing ideas off of, you know, your, your, your deputy, then she's gonna, she's gonna feel a part of the process. And she's gonna tell you when something's not working, you know, she's gonna, like, it's, it's not, you're creating a, an ongoing dialogue. And then she's also going to help man, you know, I can say, hey, can you, can you make sure the guys produce this and this by this point? And she'll take on a lot of that sort of manage it. So part of it is, is just creating that, that, that structure where you share, where you share, you know, because part of what I had to do too, was, was really mentor and train, you know, people. And, and I learned that from having really good mentors. I mean, they took the, the day I walked on the job, I knew nothing. Right. But they, the good ones took me seriously and included me in their decision-making, you know, even though it was way over my head, like, this is why I'm doing this, you know, what do you think? 
Um, the best, the best people that I worked for or worked with that I respected the most were always like, what do you think about this? Like, do you think I'm making the right decision? You know? Yeah. And they were confident. I mean, like they, they were worried, they weren't threatened. Um, so, I mean, if you create, I don't know if you create that atmosphere where, where it's like, you're, you're always sharing your, your kind of your you know, your vulnerabilities in a way, like you're, you're like, I'm not so sure about this. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. And they start to feel like they can say what they think, you know, without, you know, you, you're building trust with them. Yeah. And then you show up, you know, with, with a, a in a country and, um, and they see that you're a coherent, a, you know, cohesive, uh, unit, um, so I, I really think I really adhered to the, the position that, that like, if you're, if, if you're confident of, of, of your own, that you, you know, you're doing the right thing or you're, you're confident in your judgment and you're not like so worried about, you know, you take the client's concerns seriously. If you, then you can afford to be humble and humility it, it is really costs nothing and it and it just builds a lot of it builds a lot of trust i mean the, it's the people who are not confident who came in and you know who would come in and try to overcompensate right and and that's it's very transparent you bring up an interesting point about work being work countries uh being just inherently hierarchical um and so how, how did you in your work uh, try to understand the critical needs of not only your client, which was the nations that you were working with, the governments that you were working with, but also understand the needs of your team and, and how to utilize your team to address the, the end client's needs? Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's a lot of abstract thoughts in that question. So I'm <laughs> it's concrete. Yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, getting down to, I mean, what it's a country is a, is a lot like a, a, there's a lot of similarities with 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 small businesses, you know, they're they're usually because I worked on the economic front. Usually it's a small group of people doing all the work, you know, there might be, there might be hundreds of, of people in, in the agencies, but it's a small group of people doing all the work. And, and so there, there's the bottleneck there. They, they only have so much time and attention. And, and part of, part of what we did was we helped them out with that bottleneck, you know, with, with doing analysis that they didn't have time to do and whatever. But, but then, you know, and they're always facing resource constraints, you know, they're always facing that bottleneck and they're always facing, you know, uh, political constraints, which, you know, I mean, basically translates to, you know, limiting what they can do, you know, their, their, the reality is, so you're, you're working, so you're working to try to find where are those bottlenecks and what are the constraints and what can be done and, and, and again, like a small business, like the truth is in the numbers, you know, because mm-hmm. um, because statements only carry you so far. And then when you sit down with the numbers, like, OK, well, what is coming in? What is going out? What what you know, 
what can be done about revenue, what can be done about expenses, you know, realistically and, and, and to figure out what the gaps are and how to close those. That's all, when you start digging in, that's when you start build, you start getting like good cooperative problem solving discussions. And then, and then you have to make sure you have to be both aloof a little bit, like you're, you're outside of their political realm because you're, that's the value as you come in as a, as a, somebody without a dog in the fight, but you can't be on coming from the moon. You have to be very attentive to what, what their constraints are. So you have to have an awareness of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, and then turning to the, you know, to the team, how to, how to solve that, then it's, then it's kind of like that discussion takes place is like, okay, well, how do we, you know, how do we do that? Or what, you know, you get down to, you roll up your sleeves and it's like, okay, who's doing what, you know, you have a common sense of, of, of strategy so that they know why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, the, the worst thing is if you ask your team to do something and they quietly roll their eyes because they, it makes no sense to them and they won't tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, they'll just quietly roll their eyes. So you have to make sure that they buy into, to, to the strategy and then they'll work their asses off, you know, for it. Um, So that's kind of, I mean, there were no, I never had any slackers. Mm, Um, I had people who weren't as good and people who were great, you know, but you, but the people you work with, with what you, you know, what people's strengths are. And, um, and if they're helping each other out and, you know, you're helping them out, um, they'll work their asses off. Mm -hmm. It's funny. You mentioned um, some of your team being amazing and some uh, maybe just okay. Uh, So how, how did you deal with that? I mean, I think that every manager is probably tackled performance issues or, or maybe not even to go so far as performance issues, but just having a weakest link on their team. So how did you, in your time as a mission chief, deal with the weakest link? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. And it depends on, on, on why that link is weak, you know? I mean, you get, I, I, I worked with a lot of people who were inexperienced, mm. you know? Uh, and inexperience is, is, is way different from incompetence. Um, the inexperienced people, you basically, you, you nurture them and you, you, you know, you show confidence in them, uh, where it's warranted. And then they're, I mean, I didn't have any slackers. So, so their response was always to, to want to rise to the, you know, to the occasion, um, you know, occasion you have various degrees of, of of skills and competence, and you know if you've got somebody who's you know who's basically who they are, and is not going to be that much different, uh, they're not going to <laughs> to to transform themselves. Um, the one thing is just just never to never to shame people, you know, never to. I, and this was my approach. I mean, I. 
it doesn't work for everybody, but, but there, if somebody screws up, which happens, um, you don't, you don't have to, 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 you know, punish them. I mean, their screw up is punishment enough. I mean, you know, if you're working at a restaurant and you're, you're a chef and, and, you know, everybody's sending back your dishes. I mean, you don't, the manager doesn't have to yell at that person. The person knows they, you know, and, and so, so the idea is, is to just sort of get the, you know, everybody to sort of like recognize that, okay, here's what this person can do. Here's what this person can do. I mean, if, I guess if you were, you know, if you, you were coaching a basketball team and, and, and one of the people, you know, one of the guys is a terrible sh- shot. You you don't feed him the basketball as often, but they, but you figure out a way of, 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 you know, of, of trying to get them to, to perform better, but, you know, not, not to, you don't have to punish them or yell at them. Um, if your team is sort of, you know, cohesive and, and everybody, everybody understands when they screwed up. Right. Um, Right. And well, if I, somebody doesn't, you explain it to them in a in a in a way that sort of tries to inspire better performance instead of like, you know, punishing them. Maybe it was because I never and whenever anybody tried to punish me, it produced exactly the opposite result <laughs> of what they were intended. Uh-huh. Yeah. I well, and uh it's it's funny that you uh that you bring up Gordon Ramsay in the, in the kitchen example, because talk about uh, at least from what we see on kitchen nightmares and in uh, hell's kitchen and all he, he takes the exact opposite approach. A lot of shame, a lot oh, of, right. a lot of yelling insults. That seems to be the main motivator of his teams. Yeah. But I like, I, I, I mean, he's, he's, he's being theatrical, right? I mean, somebody, one of my mentors told me, don't ever lose your, your cool unless, in, unless that you do it for tactical reasons, right? mm, oh. but you never lose, you never lose your cool. Um, but you might pretend to, right. but I, I'm not a good actor, so I never could do that. But Gordon Ramsay does it. You know, one of the things, the interesting thing about like feedback whenever Gordon Ramsay goes into a restaurant, like the owners are apprehensive. The staff though, you can see them saying, thank God, you know, and, (laughs) and that, and that tells, tells you something, right. That the staff, finally, somebody's going to come in and say what we would like to say, but can't, you know? Yeah. Um, And, uh, but yeah, Gordon, (laughs) Gordon Ramsay sort of, he yells for theatrical reasons and, and, uh, but you know, I could never pull that off. (laughs) And on our next episode, Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a say, you know, he's a, he's kind of a a savior, but, but only if people will listen and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, but, but yeah, it's always, it's always like the, the, the people running the restaurant don't have don't seem to have any clue as to why they're running their restaurant into the ground mm-hmm. but the staff all know you know yeah yeah, yeah. funny how that works mm-hmm. <laughs> i gotta tell you brian you 
just touched on such an important topic for us as recruiters. So speaking to so many candidates out there, I've got to tell you, I, at least half of the candidates that are looking for a new role do not feel like what they do day to day makes a difference. And that's because they don't know what they're working towards or they don't have a seat at the table. They don't have leaders getting their buy-in to what the ultimate company goal is. So I, I I really love that you touched on that. You touched on a lot of really amazing topics today, like leading with humility that costs nothing. I love that line. That is so, so great for, for gaining that respect with your team. Love all of that. But uh, before we, we let you go here, what are you up to now that you've been retired from the IMF? Well, I mean, playing a lot of guitar, but I, I don't think that's what you... Um, uh, I'm working with a couple nonprofits uh, in small scale agriculture. I mean, one of them's, a, you know, we actually it's it's somewhat similar. I'm I'm on the board of an organization that makes interest free loans to to small food producers in the community, um, and we're not a bank. You know, we're it's more of a it's a revolving loan fund. Uh, it, it, you know, the people borrow for you know it, it helps alleviate their their constraints um and i'm i'm working on on that and that's growing rapidly so that's that's really cool and uh trying to um see if anything that i learned in my 26 years at the imf you know transfers to the real world <laughs> <laughs> outside of you know the, the 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 IMF umbrella, but yeah, um, and and I I have to say that that I've learned a ton. I mean, I think it's when you get outside of that that country work, that professional environment, you, you realize the the challenges that that people face, their approaches to them, uh, you know, vary widely, and and some of them you can see you can see. I, you know, I think, I think the humility part is important, but I also, that's a lesson that translates, but so does the, so does the taking feedback. Like mm -hmm. that's yeah. a real hard thing for people to do, you know, but, yeah. but if you don't, if you don't cultivate feedback, then you have blind spots mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, people tell you what, what you want to hear because they're, they don't feel they can tell you what's really going on. And it's the people on the ground who really know what's going on, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks again, uh, Brian, for a truly enlightening conversation. And uh, as always, you can find our podcast on all major streaming platforms and at www.foundconsulting.info.